Welcome to Key Conversations, where you get to connect with the best of the music business, unlocking the secrets to exploding your music career, presented by In the Key of Success. I'm your host, Cheryl B. Inglehart. The conversations you're about to hear are between our special guest and participants of my MX4 course, the Marketing and Branding, Money-Making, Mentorship Mastermind for Musicians. They are singers, songwriters, composers, producers, and artists just like you asking their burning questions of our experts while transforming their careers over six weeks. If you think this could be you, check out mx4course.com to schedule a free half-hour coaching call with me to see if we'd be a good fit. So let's get started. All right, we're back with Joey Auk, and we are going to pick it up with a question from Jenna Burke, who is not here today, but she sent me in her question. How does your performance style, um, how should it change in different formats? For example, if you're playing solo, piano, vocal, or if you're playing with a full band, or if you're playing with a trio, so, I mean, and I know this really well as an artist, like I used to perform solo and with the band and with duet and then all these different. So how how should an artist or should they change how they perform based on, um, you know, the different format? Right. Um, well, I guess, and I'm going to be taking this assuming that it, these are singer-songwriters or pop singers. The difference is, is kind of a big one between like a, a multi-instrumental format and a solo musician. Because when you're with a band, you've got the ability to do a lot of things. Like you, you've got usually drums and you can push a beat and keep a groove going. And it's a little bit easier to command attention when you're just naturally louder and there's more oomph behind the actual sound. The other thing is um, when you're solo, you need to compensate by taking the things that you can do by yourself and magnifying them finding ways to be dynamic without playing too much i always say stop playing and start singing and just focus on that start there see how you're connecting when you perform are you are you projecting you know the lyrics and the music that you're saying you're playing directly to your audience a lot of times what i find you know is that people get in the acoustic situation and they feel like they got to fill in all those gaps that mm. the band had, you know? And I'm, I guess I'm gearing this towards someone who is coming from a band stance and wants to know how to adjust for being solo. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, you're used to all this other stuff and you feel like you got to fill that space when 99% of the time, only thing people care about is how that voice is. You know, can they hear the words? Can they understand what they're, you're saying? And and it, are you singing great? And the key is to find all those niches in your abilities. You know, what what is interesting about your voice? What is your material doing in the course of the set? You know, it's those, there's similar principles apply with a band. Obviously, you're taking people on a journey, but you have to approach it in almost more of a finite detailed way when you're on a solo show mm. because you just don't have the ability to vary up the sound or, you know, you just have you and your guitar. And so your biggest instrument is that voice. And uh, I guess I hope that that answers the question somewhat. Yeah, I would, I would actually tag on to that. Um, what about going from singing mostly solo 
and bringing in a band, um, what would you change up? I mean, you're not going to change the projection or that the, the words can be heard, but how would your performance change if you're used to being the solo artist and now adding in a band? Well, I think there you also have to think about um, how does the arrangement work to support what you're doing without stepping on it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's hard to do in a sort of hypothetical way without, you know, each, you got to hear the music and what, what their style is. Right. You don't have to necessarily change your, your style for a band, but it depends on what you're doing, you know, what you're going for approach wise. Yeah. If you're trying to, if you've got a band together as, you know, acoustic group with, you know, a upright bass, a piano player, and, you know, um, and just a drummer with like a little cocktail kit versus, you know, and you're coming from just you playing piano by yourself or you're doing that and then you're coming into a whole band with, you know, electric guitars, electric bass and a big drum kit and, you know, and a wall of sound thing it is going to be different and you're going to have to figure out how to negotiate. I guess it always comes back to, are you going to be able to connect with the audience the same? If your band is really just a vehicle to present the song, then you have to think about it as just almost the same thing, except for you got to make sure all those pieces are firing right to present the song in its best light. Cool. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I wanted to ask you, you know, we're talking about bands, singing, singer-songwriter. We did a lot of work um, in our demographics. But, you know, who are our listeners? Who, who are we going to market to? We need to know who those people are before we can go create branding elements that may not, you know, cute little cartoons may not be going, be perfect for our 40-something females. You know, you, so we really did a lot of work on that. And I think it's something that we're continuing to just sort of discuss. So when you're sitting down and working with an artist, like a new artist who's got some songs and just has been playing them with his guitar, how do you decide how to produce it? Like, are you going to do the electronica feel? Are you going to get some live band stuff in? Are you going to keep it stripped down acoustic? How, how do you decide what, it, what genre are you just going to put these songs in? Because I, I know the genre really comes from um, not just the song, but the, how the production ends up, you know, landing on the record. So what do you, what, what makes you make that call? And is it, I know it's something that you do with the artist, but how do you, how do you go through that process? Um, the way I like to do it is obviously, like you said, we start with just the song and, you know, if they play an instrument, I have them sit, we figure out a tempo and we essentially like block chords and get a scratch vocal and depending on their level as a singer and how confident they are with the tune, too, I just kind of let what happens naturally in their performance happen. And we block it to a click. And then we kind of talk about... I usually will kind of say, all right, it's stripped away. Here are some ways I could see this going sonically. And we will pull up some references. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Usually, I would say 99% of the time, the song and the artist's voice and the way that they perform helps intuit where it's going to go. It doesn't always. Um, but as a producer, your job is kind of to try to listen for the things that, you know, that they may not be hearing in themselves. You know, uh, they say it's like the things that you don't know that you don't know. Right. And one of those things, a lot of times with 
with really talented people is that they don't know that they're not using something that they have. And, you know, and obviously the voice is the center of it for most things. But they're not utilizing something really beautiful and alluring about their performance and the way that they perform and certain traits about their voice. It, It could be as simple as like the way their vibrato hits at certain points or the way their voice breaks up. Um, and it sounds like that's like such a minute detail, but it happens in the course of a song, Mm. you know, it happens in the course of the way that they bring motion to words that they've written, you know, or the way that they play too. You know, if they're a good, if they're a good guitar player, they're a good keyboardist or whatever, they bring a certain thing to it. And the goal is to try to find that and magnify it to really bring the emotion out and allure the audience. I don't know if well, you and I have wrote, written together a lot. So yeah. sometimes, you know, you and I, we work on stuff that we're kind of aiming for a commercial audience. More recently, we're kind of steering it towards a particular thing that we're trying to sell to. Right. And that's, and that is, a, that is one way to approach it, which is fine. It's a little bit more of a, you know, cause we also come from the commercial world. And so it's, I call it the commercial approach. That's that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, commercial composers, they get a brief and they say, I want it to be like, you know, foster the people. And and in a way, we kind of go, all right, we're going to go in that genre. But with artists just purely on their own, I don't really go in and say, you're going to be this band. You're, you're going to be like this band. I want to completely divorce myself from that preconception and hear what it is they do and figure out ways to enhance it. And then once it's already like thoroughly kind of formed to what it's going to be, then of course, you know, it's also part of my job to say, well, you know, is this going to be something that, that people are going to listen to, you know, is there a way that I can bring it into you know, the modern world of, you know, popular music. And we're talking more pop music now. So, you know, there's, there's standards sonically and there are, mm-hmm. there are things that just the way that our ears are tuned to hear things now. Um, and so at that point, you know, I'll talk with the artist about it. And a lot of times artists will be like, yeah, I want to sound like this, or I love this song and I really love how that vibe is. And we'll go towards the vibe of some other tune that or artists they really adore but usually it happens organically because because they themselves have a certain trait that's kind of similar right. in a way. Yeah. And it's not copying at all. It's just right. a matter that, you know, I think it's just the nature of any creative thing. You're influenced by all the things around you. And a great artist is obviously going to be influenced by another great artist, you know? Yeah. No, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Um, the last couple of minutes here, do you, uh, Lauren, Megan, do you guys have any more questions that I think come up throughout the conversation for Joey? Uh, other questions that you didn't get to ask yet? So, I mean, you answered a lot of different things. Like, I'm actually about to, like, once I get off tour, I'm going to be going back to the studio to, like, record my next album. And so, I don't know, I guess, like, my struggle kind of has been recording my own music. Um, I'm really, like, I'm really into the live performance. Like, it's just, there's just a whole different energy. And, like, my struggle is trying to, like, recapture that energy on my recording music. Um, and so, uh, my first video album I recorded a couple years ago, like, I actually ended up for 
three of the songs, like it was the guitar and the vocals were recorded simultaneously and then we just produced out from there and like just to kind of get that feel. So I was wondering like how, like I'm kind of considering doing a lot more of that approach and even going as far as like having the backup singers do it all, like do it all one take um, kind of thing. Right. Well, I mean, you're, you're going to be among a ton of classic artists who recorded that way, you know, and it, I think that there's no like one size fits all approach, of course, and that is not uncommon. Sometimes you just need the energy of that snap. We got to all do it together, you know, and the imperfections that can come out of that are actually things that are happy accidents, you know, that you could not emulate just by overdubbing everything and, and doing it. You know, I, I think we, in the modern radio world, like everything's perfected and tuned and, and processed. And that can be cool in its own way, but, you know, you have to fit your approach to your style. And if your style works better by just having some spontaneity and just playing it all at once, I think that's absolutely a great approach. Um, but if you're going to add more things to it after the fact, then you're going to want to make sure that you do plan for that. You know, if it means, you know, staying with a, a metronome or a click track you know, et cetera, yeah. those things, you just, you know, that's part of what your producer should be looking out for and making sure that he's thinking ahead for you to say, well, if we're going to build on what you have, let's make sure that we have a foundation that, that will allow you to do those things. Yeah, he or she. And um, Lauren, I just had an idea for you. If, if one of the things, I mean, I think spontaneity is definitely one element of live performance, but a, another huge element is also audience feedback that you get in that energy. Um, you could go to a studio that has a really good window and, and do, you could even make this like a pledge award or something like that. Like you could have a small audience of like 10 people that you're playing to live that you get to in the studio record, you know, record for and it's not just you I mean I I've played with that idea before and it's it's really interesting you know people sitting on the couch behind the glass they get to hear you and it's like that energy is still there even though it's such a scaled down thing and then it's you also have that live element you could add in the click track do what Joey said being responsible for what you want to produce but bringing in that audience could that could be a way to also bring that into the studio and help keep it authentic I don't know just throwing that out there yeah I actually did something like that on one of my songs like I do kind of like at the end like a breakdown like completely stripped back and it just so happened like this one day I was recording like five or six of my friends all called me and like what are you doing so I was just like come to the studio and so I had them all like in the booth and we did like clap tracks behind nice everything and like it was super fun so yeah definitely wouldn't like want to do something more on purpose like that yeah kind of happened that way that particular day and it was it was so awesome yeah (laughs) yeah no that sounds like that would be right in line with creating the kind of record that you want to create so cool um awesome yeah megan any any last thoughts or questions for joey no i'm i'm good thank you so much joey it was awesome Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, Joey, any last thoughts to artists and songwriters around the world? <laughs> Just keep doing what you do. There you go. Hey, thanks. Awesome. Joey, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Lauren and Megan and Jenna for your question. Thank you guys for being on this and um, have a great rest of your day. All right. Cheers, guys. 
You guys, next week, I'm really excited. We're going to be talking with Jamie Campbell. She is a financial guru. She's going to talk to us about all the things that we can be doing to be saving money, making money, and shifting our mindset around money. Very exciting and very important stuff, especially as an indie musician. So stay tuned. Please don't forget to rate and comment on iTunes and Stitcher Radio if you like this podcast. It's the best way to keep it going, get more subscribers, and continue to share this awesome information with the indie music community. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. All of the music on this podcast has been created by yours truly. The theme song is called Inevitably, written with Cameron Ernst and produced by Joey Ock. You can find all the songs, plus more information on my music career at CherylBE.com. If you want to be one of the reasons I can keep this podcast and my blog Living on Gigging going, then head to Patreon.com slash CBE Music. There, you can contribute a dollar, two dollars, five dollars for the creation of each of these free musician resources. Together, we can keep them coming and inspire other creative people to do what they love and do it well. Again, that's patreon.com slash CBE music. Key Conversations is sponsored in part by Bandzoogle. They make it easy to build a beautiful website for your music. Their step-by-step system gets you online in minutes, and you can choose from hundreds of mobile-friendly themes and customize them with their easy point-and-click editor. All the features you could possibly imagine for a professional website are built in. So because you are a Key Conversations podcast listener, you get a special three-month free trial just for you. Go to www.inthekeyofsuccess.com slash resources and click on the Banzoogle logo to access your free extended trial. Mm-hmm.